to see everyone out tonight. I'll ask you to stand and join me as we sing. He keeps me singing. Do you have a song in your heart tonight?
quick reminder of our announcements. It is good to see everybody out tonight. Y'all should have brought a friend with you, though. But uh, we are thankful to have Chris Jordan with us again tonight. It was a wonderful message this morning. If you missed part of it, go back and listen to it again. I didn't get my notes because I was listening to it intently. <laughs> so I have to go back and listen to it again so I can fill in my notes on my page. But um, just a reminder of the needs for the preschool, if you can help out there. Our Young at Heart will meet uh, at 11 on Monday tomorrow to uh, go to Cracker Barrel in Powdersville. Um, our new interim pastor will be here next week. Our Acts table has been taken down, but we need people. Do not feel you are not needed. Don't wait on somebody to come tug on your shirt tail and say, can you do this? If you feel led in any way to serve in a position, don't think, well, somebody else is doing that because they might be waiting on somebody to step up so they can step down and take a breather. So please be in prayer about the, the needs of, of service. Um, WMU will meet Tuesday night, and Vicki has told me she's making lasagna. So take your Pepsi and come on. Um, and then our men's prayer group will meet at 8 o'clock Tuesday morning. Did I miss anything? So we have a lot going on. You know, we, we may be in transition, but God's still working here. I'll open us in prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful to be able to come and worship you, Lord, freely. We take for granted so many of our freedoms in this country, and we take for granted that power that you offer us, Lord. As I think about our Sunday school lesson this morning, as you breathed on those disciples, Lord, breathe on us. Renew our spirit. Give us the, a, a new filling of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us just feel your power within us, Lord. Because we know we in our own strength we can do nothing, but through you, nothing is impossible. And Lord, we know that you have a work for this church to do. And Lord, just as one of the hymns says, here am I, use me. Lord, we just pray for the many that are hurting tonight. Lord, remember Brian's family. Lord, Stoney Collins' family, Lord, as his dad is, is on the ending stages of his life. Lord, just comfort as only you can. Lord, be with Chris as he breaks, breaks the bread of life. And just go with us each as we leave here in a little while. And help us to shed your light in a dark world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you'll stand with me once again for our offertory hymn which I have hid my bulletin I don't have that page number out in front of me 342 Rock of Ages you know some of those old ones are still some of the best Rock of Ages cleft for me let me Save from breath 
does in this church and all the volunteers and all their help. And Lord, this all will continue to grow in you. And thank you for everything you do for us, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Good to be back with you guys uh, tonight. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to Haggai chapter two. Uh, we're going to continue in the, uh, in this book uh, again. We talked about this morning. Uh, this is the second shortest book of the uh, Old Testament, and uh, if you're looking for it, it's hard to find sometimes. Uh, go to the New Testament, hang a left, go three blocks, and you'll find it. Uh, so it's just right over, uh, right over there. Um, remember this uh, background that we are um, uh, having, in, as we kind of opened up this morning. Uh, the children of Israel had been taken into captivity uh, back uh, by the Babylonians, uh, and uh, then after seventy years in captivity uh, under Cyrus, uh, they had been released. Uh, and a remnant of those moved back uh, to Jerusalem uh, to rebuild the temple uh, and to begin worship uh, there. Uh, and that's where uh, the prophet Haggai comes on the scene. Uh, he's a contemporary of Ezra, uh, Zephaniah. Uh, so uh, just to give you a little uh, kind of um, correlation between those, uh, we're going to look over in Ezra here in just a few minutes too. Uh, to kind of give a little more perspective to some of these verses. Uh, but uh, we're going to jump on into chapter 2 tonight. Let me begin by asking a question. Have you ever been disappointed, uh, discouraged? Um, about 10 years ago, uh, we were, um, my wife and I had done a big anniversary trip in May, and uh, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for vacation for us and the kids. Uh, so we decided that we would um, do a camping trip. Uh, we were going to go tent camping, trail camping. Uh, so I told my wife, I said, listen, you, uh, Tony, you plan this, uh, and um, uh, I'll be along for the ride, and whatever I need to do, you let me know. So she decided on Jones Gap State Park uh, up in Marietta. 
uh, and uh, so um, we uh, she she called me one day and she said okay there's two campsites available do you want the campsite that's right off of the parking lot or there's a campsite that is a mile hike in uh, right by the river um, I said well, let's take the one by the campsite we got three kids uh, we probably have a lot of stuff um, since we don't normally tent camp uh, so uh, we decided that one of the things that we would do while we were uh, here uh, is that we would go rafting on uh, not rafting tubing on the Saluda River uh, so she found this Groupon uh, for uh, the tubing trip so we went we got we pulled into Jones Gap State Park went into the ranger station and the ranger said welcome to Jones Gap State Park South Carolina's temperate rainforest um, and she looked at him and she said excuse me um, I don't remember seeing that on the website uh, he said yes ma'am it rains here 80 percent of the time uh, you probably have about 45 minutes before it's going to start raining uh, because it rains at this particular time every day uh, so they're like okay so we got set up anyway we, we got over to the next day we got over to the rafting or tubing place uh, I walked up to the little thing to get our tubes and I said here I've got this Groupon uh, and um, uh, he handed it to me he said would you like to upgrade and I said well I don't know um, he said well these are the the rafts that or the tubes that you normally have um, he said the Groupon tube is right here and it looked like a bicycle inner tube uh, and I was thinking do I look like I could go down this river on a bicycle inner tube uh, so um, needless to say we um, we upgraded uh, so uh, I'm not sure what good that Groupon did us but we upgraded so we were traveling down they had to take us down in a bus down to the get on the river so on the way down I said hey man I said from looking at the river up in in the state park it looks like there's been a lot of rain uh, he said oh yeah we've had a lot of rain uh, um, I said well how long does this trip take he said well it normally takes about two and a half hours uh, but it's normally taking about 50 minutes now um, honest to goodness 35 minutes I was I started on that river and 35 minutes later and $300 uh, and uh, uh, I got off of the, the Saluda River needless to say I was disappointed I was discouraged in our uh, Groupon that we had um, you know sometimes it's uh, it's easy to get discouraged in church work uh, I heard you mentioning earlier about the um, Acts uh, ministry sometimes it's just hard church work is hard uh, especially when you get into smaller churches and people get tired and uh, you really have these ideas of things that you would like to do that you feel like God's leading you to do and um, sometimes there's just not enough people to do it uh, and there's not enough money to do it uh, and uh, it, it's disappointing sometimes or it's disappointing when the Lord doesn't work on, on our timetable um, or when people disappoint us. Um, you know, we all come in different seasons of our lives where we can just be filled with, uh, with disappointment. Um, but how we deal with that and what we do with it has a direct effect, in essence, on how we even look at God. Um, so let's look at Haggai chapter 
2. And we're just going to look at nine verses uh, tonight. Look with me at what the scripture says. On the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace declares the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak to us through it. And Lord, we pray now that as we kind of unpack just these few verses tonight, God, that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would encourage us. And uh, Lord, that uh, Lord, as, as we leave this place, God, we'd be encouraged knowing that we can find peace in you. Lord, that you're with us. And Lord, that we can be strong. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us tonight. Uh, Lord, I know uh, this particular congregation is in transition. And Lord, uh, I know many times in transi transition, it, Lord, it just seems like uh, there's so much discouragement and unknowns and, and all those things that go along with that. Lord, I pray that, uh, God, you would just reign supreme during this transition period. Lord, may you be honored. May you be glorified. And Lord, may you even use this church to do things they've never done before. God, would you grant that tonight? Lord, I pray as we unpack this passage, Lord, speak to us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we kind of think through this, the remnant of people, this 50,000 remnant that we talked about this morning, that they've come back to Jerusalem, they've come back to, to rebuild this temple, uh, and as a result of that, they've been dealing with disappointment. Uh, if you look at the, you know, I mentioned it this morning, but the, the dates in Haggai are accurate, uh, not only based on the Jewish calendar, but based on other events that have taken place in, in history. Uh, in in the chapter 1, it talks about it gives you the second year of Darius the king, the first day of the sixth month, uh, the word of the Lord came. Uh, and then um, it talks about the 21st day of the seventh month. So we're basically talking about a, a four-week period here that um, these people have begun to, to get back to work on, on this um, temple. The, the, the foundation was laid earlier, but now they've gone back after about 16 years, uh, and, and they begin to work again 
And they've been working for about four weeks when this new message uh, is given to Haggai from, from the Lord. Now, there may be some of you that were here this morning and you decided, you know, based on God's word today, that uh, you, you need to change your priorities a little bit. You need to put first things first and, uh, and, and maybe some things need to, to change up. And, and I, I want to tell you that more than likely in the next four weeks, you're going to need some encouragement uh, because it's not easy. Uh, it's going to be tough to do those things. Uh, think about New Year's resolutions. You know, a lot of times we have these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose 50 pounds, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. And we make these resolutions, and uh, I, I was looking at some statistics on this today. Uh, about 8% stick with it after a month. Only about 8% stick with it after a month. Uh, yeah, we really could look at that with some of the decisions that we make for the Lord. Uh, because discouragement sets in. Satan comes in and he, he tries to deceive us and, and all sorts of things start happening in our lives and we get discouraged uh, and we need some encouragement. And that's where these people were as they begin this rebuilding process uh, of the temple. And, and here God has another message for them about their discouragement. So let's look through this. The first thing we see as we kind of start begin to unpack this, we see their disappointment. Uh, in verses 1 through 3, we see that uh, they're disappointed. Uh, they're struggling. And the Lord sends this message to Haggai to, to deliver to the people. And it begins with a question. And the question is, who saw this temple in its former glory? Who saw it? Basically, who's old enough to remember what the temple that Solomon built looked like? Now, remember, they had been in captivity for, for 70 years. Uh, and, and then we're at a point now we're about 16 to 18 years later. Um, so the, the ones that had seen that would have had to have been young when, when they saw Solomon's temple in its glory. And, and in particular, God wants them to think about that, that glory of, of the first temple and then he asked them another question he, he says how does it look to you now when you think about that first temple how does it look to you now God asked them to compare the original temple's glory to this building that they're building right now and then God says to him does it not seem to you like nothing See, God knew their hearts, and He knew where they were, where, where they were coming from. Take you in your Bibles, flip over to Ezra chapter three. You're going to be flipping backwards. Flip over to Ezra chapter three. I told you these were contemporary, so flip back to Ezra chapter three, beginning in verse ten. This is the same same event, if you will, that's that, that, that's kind of ha happening here. Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, this is talking about two years earlier when they, when they laid the foundation, the priests stood in their apparel with their trumpets, and the Levites and the son of Asaph with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. So they knew what they were supposed to do when they began worshiping in the temple. They sang praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, 
for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with great joy when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They had finally come back out of captivity. They had laid this foundation and they began a, a, a worship service, if you will, uh, a dedication service of this foundation. But look at verse 12. And yet many of the priests and Levites and head of fathers' households. In other words, the older, the older men. Nothing against anybody in here that's older. Uh, the old men who had seen the first temple wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, while many shouted aloud for joy. Now, if, you, if you're just reading it in Ezra, you might think, well, they were just so excited and so happy that they had this foundation that they began to weep. But when you compare it to, to what Haggai says, uh, you, you see that that's not the case. They begin this comparison process that it's never going to be what it used to be. And sometimes we feel like that when churches are in transition. We feel like it's never going to be what it used to be. Um, or we begin that comparison process and we think about Man, it's never going to be here what it is at such and such church. And you start this comparison. Um, and what that brings is disappointment and discouragement. You see, as they begin building this process, this temple, Zerubbabel's temple, it's never going to be as extravagant as Solomon's temple was. The future doesn't look as good as the past did. And I begin to compare that. But now let's think about that for a minute. In history, Solomon's temple was a whole lot bigger, but it was built in the height of the Jewish empire. In King David's lifetime, the, the, the Jewish people had experienced a uh, uh, a, a, a lot of peace. Uh, they had experienced a lot of war victories. They, they had uh, banked up some things. Uh, and it's estimated that when, when, when Solomon got to the point of building the temple, when, when they took an offering among the leaders, scholars suggest that it was probably in today's terms, tens of billions of dollars that they collected for, for this temple. Solomon also had over 100,000 skilled laborers working on this temple to, to the point that, that not a chisel could be heard on the temple site. Uh, everything had to be chiseled far enough away that it couldn't be heard on the site. So Compare that to the people that have come back from captivity. And you've got 50,000 volunteers. After 70 years in captivity, scholars suggest that the offering there was about 60,000. Uh, so a whole lot less. Uh, they weren't comparing apples to apples. 
You know, sometimes that's what we do. When we start comparing things, we're not comparing apples to apples. I don't know what this church was uh, running number-wise or finances-wise in, in their heyday. Um, but you can't compare where you are now to where you were then. Because God's plan for you now is different than it was in that time period. You can't compare yourself to such and such church down the street. Because God's plan for that church and God's plan for this church is different. God has called you to be right here at this particular time. At this particular point in history. With the, the members that you have. He has a plan and a purpose for you guys. So hold on to that. Don't get caught up in comparing what you're doing to what some other church is doing or to what the past history was of this church. If we compare, we get discouraged. We look at our lives and the future doesn't seem like it's going to be as good as the past was. So we have to be careful for that. That's where these people were at. That's where... This nation was at these, these, this remnant of people. They didn't think their future was ever going to be as good as their past, and it's hard to move forward when you when, when you you have that mindset. I know a lot of people, a lot of churches, who have really struggled going forward because they're stuck in the past of the way things used to be, the good old days. Um, I mentioned that one time to. Uh, uh, when I was pastor in church, I had a lady in my church that was right at 100 years old. Uh, and uh, she said, Preacher, I don't want to go back to the good old days. Uh, she said, we didn't have padded pews. We didn't have air conditioning. In the wintertime, all we had was one potbelly stove back there. And if you didn't sit close to it, you'd freeze to death. I don't want to go back to the good old days. Uh, and uh, that, was a good, <laughs> that was a good mentality. Uh, to have so, so God's message for these people who, who are dealing with discouragement starts to unfold here in verses 4 and 5 and, and he says that I am with you we, we, we saw that earlier uh, in, in chapter 1 and you know sometimes the future might look bleak but that's okay because God is with us look at verses uh, uh, 2 through 5 there speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of the people, saying, uh, and, and we see verse 3 there, uh, but verse 4 says, Now take courage, Zerubbabel. Take courage, declares the Lord. Take courage, Joshua. Take courage, all you people. Take, take courage, for I am with you. And as the promise that I made to you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. So don't fear. Don't get scared about it. Be strong. Do the work because I'm with you. You see, I want us to notice the place of strength during these times of trouble. See, when we're disappointed, when we're discouraged uh, about our lives, uh, about our circumstances uh, that we find ourselves in, we need to remember that God is where we get our strength. He is where we get our peace. And God says, you can be strong because you know that I am with you. I made a covenant with you that I would be with you. 
And when God makes a promise, he keeps his promises. He says, I made a promise to you that when you came out of Egypt, I would be with you. You see, they knew that story. They, they knew the history of their nation. They, they knew that God was with them as they flee out of Egypt. As the Egyptians were, were chasing them out of Egypt. And they didn't know what was going to happen. And God parted the Red Sea. Uh, and then not only that, then, then he drowned the Egyptian army. And then as they moved forward, they didn't have food to eat. And God provided food. And then they didn't have water. And God provided water. God was with them. Think about what God is saying. He said, I made a promise to you a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago and nothing has changed. Just because time has gone by, God's still going to be faithful to his promise. You know, I think sometimes we feel like the promises of God in scripture are maybe so old that it can't be relevant to us today. Oh, that's not true. When God promises in Hebrews 13, 5, that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, uh, you know, just because time's gone by, uh, that doesn't change anything. He's unchanging. So, you see, God told you that he's with you. No matter how much time it takes, no matter what goes on, no matter what the future looks like, no matter what the past looks like, God's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. See, God is with us. So we need to be strong. As you guys move forward in your transition, you need to be strong. You need to, to have that strong mindset that God is going to be with you. If you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, God told the people after the, the Exodus, He said, if you follow me, I'll be with you, and I'll bless you. But if you don't, if you don't follow me, then bad things are going to happen, even to the point that you're going to be taken into captivity. And that's where they found themselves. Friends, we need to follow him. See, he made a promise that he was going to be with them. The same is true for us as we move forward in our lives as we face those trials and tribulations as we face those times where people get sick or, or when people pass away or uh, when we have uh, we don't know where our next uh, meal is going to come from or we don't know where our next dollar is going to come from we don't know how we're going to pay the bills this month God is with us but he doesn't take us out of those situations he's with us through those situations as we look at this passage of scripture, if we look back in chapter 1, the, the, the scripture talks about in verse 13 that uh, he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and, and of Joshua uh, and of the people. Uh, and, uh, you know, I believe that if we ask him and if we trust him, then, then God's going to stir up a spirit in us uh, that this world can't quench uh, and uh, he's going to stir up a spirit in us for the work that he's called us to do um, because here's the deal God doesn't want a bunch of crusty people that are bitter and all those things that are just checking a box um, he 
wants people who are excited about what he's allowed them to have a part in what he's doing. Um, and he, I think he changes our heart in that way. He frees us to be joyful laborers in the harvest. And he promises us that he'll be with us during that time. Verses 6 through 9, he, he basically says you're going to do a greater work. There's going to be a greater work that has been done. You see, this is the second message that God has for, for his people here in these verses. God says that in a little while, he, he's going to shake the heavens, he's going to shake the earth, the sea, and, and the land, and the nations, and he's going to fill this house with glory. And, and then he goes on to say that this glory is going to be greater than the first. See, that's a reminder of the, the character of God. That no matter when, no matter how out of control things seem in our world, He's still in control. He's sovereign over the future. He's sovereign over the nations. He, he's sovereign over the wealth of the world. He, he basically says here, the gold, the silver, it's mine, says the Lord of hosts. You see, don't think that God can't do great things in the don't think that God can't do great things in this congregation in, in the future. We can't be discouraged about how, how the future might look. You can't be discouraged as you look around and maybe there's not that many people here. Everything is in His hand. And He's providing what you need as you go. And, and, and as you take that step of faith, He's providing a little more. And as you take that next step of faith, He's providing a little more. Everything is in his hands. Second, what the people would have had in mind about God would have been wrong. You see, taken just in a straightforward way, you know, the glory of this temple, there's no way that the glory of this, this Zerubbabel's temple, this second temple, is going to be bigger or going to be greater than, than Solomon's temple. It just wasn't going to happen. But God was going to do something radical in the future that these people, they would have never even thought about. They would, have even, they would never even have guessed what God's glory was going to be doing in the future. Just because the future looks different doesn't mean it's going to be any less glorious. Just because things may change here in the future doesn't mean it's going to bring any less glory to the Lord. You see, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. He tells us that in Ephesians. But what was God thinking about when he said this future glory is going to be greater than this past glory? You see, Zerubbabel's temple was called the second temple, and it, it was basically just a shadow of Solomon's temple. It was smaller, it, it was plainer, but, but the Jews used it for you know, a few centuries there. And about 40 years before Jesus was born, this guy came on the scene known as Herod the Great. And in essence, he wanted to buy the people's love. He wanted to buy the Jewish people's love. So he undertook this massive renovation of this temple, of this second temple. A renovation that took about 46 years. And as a result, the temple was larger and more ornate than Solomon's temple. 
but that's not what gave it more glory than the first one. What gave this temple more glory was that this was the temple that Jesus walked into. You see, when he was eight days old, his parents took him to be dedicated. And many times throughout his life, he visited the temple. And whenever he did, the true glory of the Lord was in the temple. Because that glory was seen in the person of Jesus Christ. John wrote it this way. He said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He went on to say, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. You see, he was the temple of God who had come to live with us. Emmanuel, God with us. But if he was the glory, if he was the glory in flesh, the incarnate word, what about when he died? We know that when Jesus died, he was crucified, he was buried. And as he promised, three days later, he rebuilt it. He rebuilt the temple. Uh, he wasn't talking about Herod's temple. In 70 AD, it was destroyed. Uh, and uh, hasn't been rebuilt since. Uh, so... Uh, the Romans destroyed it in 70 AD. So how can we say that the glory of God's temple is greater now than ever before? Because God still has a temple, but it's not one made of stones. It's each and every one of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you whom you have received from God? You see, in the Old Testament, God had a, a temple for his people, and now God has a people for his temple. Emmanuel means God with us. But the reality is that Jesus wants to live in you, and that is life-changing. Flip over to Colossians 1.27 real quick. Colossians 127 says this to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory you see there is peace in this temple because the prince of peace lives inside of me he lives inside of you. So how do we overcome discouragement? How, how do we move forward in discouraging times, in times of transition? We move forward knowing that Christ is in us. And he has a plan for us. He has a plan for our lives. He has a plan for our church. He's not going to remove us from all the problems. But in verse 9, he provides peace. So he gives us peace in the middle of the storm. And that's my prayer for you as you move into this transition of uh, finding a new pastor and, uh, in essence, rebuilding. That you would have peace. And that you would be strong because He is with you. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you're with us. 
And Lord, because you're with us, we can have peace. Lord, not only are you with us, you're in us. And Lord, we give you praise for that tonight. Lord, I know we mainly talked about uh, the church. But there may be one in this place tonight who isn't sure that they know you as Lord and Savior. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of response. Lord, would you press upon their heart the need to know you? Lord, I don't know what's going on in everybody's life that's in this place. But Lord, would you give them peace? Lord, there may be some here who are discouraged, who are disappointed. Lord, would you allow them to feel your presence like never before? Lord, I thank you that you love us, that you have a plan and a purpose for us, and that you live in us we have a hope of glory. Lord, I don't know what the needs are tonight. There may be some that just need to come about and pray. But God, would you speak to hearts tonight? Lord, would you change lives? Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're here and you just need to come and bow at this altar tonight. Maybe you've got some things going on in your life. You're just discouraged. You're troubled. And you just need to come and you need to give it to Jesus tonight. I don't know what your need is. If you need to know more about him or if you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be here. We're going to have just a short hymn of invitation tonight. Would you stand to your feet as, uh, as we have our invitation?